Um, I'm going to call the meeting to order. It's now six o'clock. This is the um, first virtual Shawnee Mission School District um, board meeting for Monday, March 23rd, 2020. Um, the first item on the agenda is the Pledge of Allegiance. And logistically, I'm not sure how everyone needs to do this at home, um, but I guess we rise and say the pledge. And I actually have a flag in my office, but I don't know if anyone else does. So here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The next item on the agenda is the adoption of the agenda. Um, do I have a motion to adopt the agenda? So moved. This is Mary. Thank Second. you, Dr. Sarah. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Um, we had stated we would do all of our votes roll call, so folks listening and not able to watch would know who was voting. Um, Terry, are you able to call roll for this vote? Okay, well, I can do that. Um, Mr. Stratton? Uh, Reverend Guy? Aye. Ms. Boardman? Aye. Ms. Hembry? Aye. Dr. Sinclair? Aye. And, um, oh shoot, who am I leaving out? Mr. Stratton? Did I get you already? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Ms. Goodburn? Aye. All right, and I am an aye, so that passes 7-0. Next one is the adoption of the agenda. Oh, wait, we just did that. Approval of the minutes from the special meeting from February 24th. So moved. Dr. Sinclair. Is, uh, Dr. Sinclair. Second, Brad. Seconding, Brad. Um, roll call is going to be exhausting on all of these. So let's just say all in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Passes 7-0. Moving on to approval of minutes for the regular meeting. Do I have a motion? So moved. This is Mrs. Goodburn. There a second. From Ms. Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any opposed? The 7 0. Moving to the next approval of minutes for the special meeting on February 26th. So, so, so moved by Mr. Stratton. Second Sinclair. Second from Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Passes 7-0. So now we're on 1.7. Approval of the minutes from the special meeting on March 12th, 2020. Do I have a motion? Make a motion, Sinclair. A move approved. Um, second, Goodburn. Okay, moved by Dr. Sinclair, seconded by Ms. Goodburn. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Are there any opposed? Passes 7 0. And finally, 1.8 approval of minutes, the special meeting from March, oh, is that 18th? 16th. 16th, thank you. Um, is there a motion? Move approval, Goodburn. And a second? Second, Humphrey. Thank you, Ms. Henry. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? No? The 7-0. Well, good. 
Now, moving on to Dr. Fulton's superintendent report, item 2.5. Okay, thank you very much. And I want to, first of all, thank the board for all their good work and also to the folks that are joining us online for joining us this evening. Well, as you're well aware, we've entered into a new reality with the closure of school buildings announced just six days ago. A lot of planning and underway to determine what learning and uh, what the school experience should look like going forward. The first phase of our five phase plan process started with contingency planning several weeks ago. We really, as we began to understand the potential impact of COVID-19, we began preparing for what if scenarios. What if we were out of school for an extended period of time as one example? We recognized learning would look different and that considerable detailed work would need to take place. So the first phase of planning is followed by four more phases. Phase two involved deep cleaning of our buildings, which happened last week. Phase three involved us really talking about meeting the needs of our students. We started planning for that this last week with uh, food uh, delivery. We had to identify the sites, times, and so on, audience. And so we were able to identify four sites from which we can provide food to students who have that need. That food delivery starts uh, this uh, tomorrow, actually. We will begin serving free breakfast and lunch to students at, four, at the four school sites. School nurses are staffing the Johnson County community COVID-19 hotline to answer questions. That's another way that we've up to help this countywide and statewide effort. Preliminary work on phase four involves planning for learning, meeting the learning and social emotional needs of our students. And that started last week as well, trying to develop a framework, but the heavy lifting in our district and across Kansas is taking place this week. Teachers and administrators are working hard to design and provide continuous learning for students in uh, for the remainder of the school year. The fifth and final phase is implementation of plans. Implementation of the plans will be subject to adjustments as we learn how to best support our students in distance learning we will keep our end goal to provide a safe, secure learning and work environment. Remind everyone that the statewide closure of school facilities is only effective if we all adhere to social uh, distancing rules, wash hands regularly, and take our precautions as directed by health professionals. Now, I do want to say this the planning that's going on right now in earnest with administrators and, uh, and teachers will come to fruition with a comprehensive district plan. That plan to the Board of Education, probably in a special meeting for approval before it goes on to the state for their approval. So you can look forward to perhaps a special seminar will approve that plan once it's complete. Trust my thanks to all of the staff members who have dedicated countless hours in this studying, planning, and acting phase 
to make the steps that we've done so far and the future steps that we will take possible. We've had so many helpers that, uh, who are working to help continue to provide what our students need, whether that's food, learning, social emotional supports for other kinds of needs. Moving forward, we're gonna provide our community with regular updates on our plans as they develop. And as I've said, we must use our strengths as a community and as individuals to support one another. Now more than ever, we have to work together for the benefit of our children and of our entire community. That concludes my report for tonight. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Um, we'll now move on to board member reports. Um, first up, it looks like we have SMAC PTA with Ms. Jamie Borkman. Do you have a report for us this evening? Nothing new, thank you. Thank you. Next for the foundation, um, that is Jessica Hembry at this time, I believe. Do you have a report for us? Oh, there haven't been any meetings of the SMAC board recently, nope. Thank you. Um, for the KASB Board of Directors, Reverend Guy. There are all kinds of things happening, as you can imagine, with KASB. Um, their women's conference has been canceled, of course, as everything is being canceled. And the roundtable that was supposed to take place on April 9th, I think, is now going to become um, a digital, an online conference. And so you can look for information about that and call into that and still have that conversation, but from a distance. They are doing daily updates, I believe, right now, because so many of the decisions are impacting all of the schools in the state of Kansas. And so they um, have daily briefings with their legal team, helping all school districts navigate our way through all of this. So if you're interested in seeing those, they're available to the public, kasb.org. Um, they're putting out all kinds of information to try to be as helpful as they can right now. But this is new to all of us, so um, we're all kind of learning together. But they're a great source of information, so I encourage people to check them out. And that's all I have to report. Thank you. Um, for our KASB legislative liaison, Dr. Sinclair. Um, I, I'll defer to Dr. Little for his uh, report, but I will maybe steal a piece of his thunder and just express some gratitude that a two-year extension on the high-density at-risk um, component of the school finance formula appears to be embedded in the budget. So that would be good for Shawnee Mission as well as districts across the state. Well, I am excited that you got to share a piece of good news with us this evening. <laughs> um, for the policy review committee, um, Ms. Goodburn, do you have an update for us? We have three policies for your consideration tonight, actually two that are first reads and one that is for your consideration tonight. You'll see them later on the agenda. Thank you very much. And then finance and facilities, uh, Mr. Stratton and Dr. Sinclair, um, I'll turn to you, Mr. Stratton. Uh, our first scheduled meeting in person was to be today. And uh, we have decided to move that out on the calendar and we will try to figure out a way to do that virtually as that looks like the only way we'll be meeting for the next foreseeable weeks. But it is important that that group convene because we do have uh, a growing list of items for that group to consider. So we are sending out a notice again soon to find a new date that works to do a virtual meeting with the committee. Thank you for the update. Um, and we'll move to the legislative update item 2.3 with Dr. Stuart Little. 
Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be with you all tonight and give you an update on where we stand in the legislative process at this point. Um, you have a written report. I think it should be published online uh, if it's not already by tomorrow. Um, it is uh, a rather long report with a lot of legislation included, but I'm only going to hit some of the highlights in the first probably three pages of it. Um, and I'll be happy to answer questions. I don't know. I, I can't read your nonverbals here, but if you want to interrupt me, just please feel free. Um, on uh, the legislature um, adjourned on the 19th instead of on the 3rd, they adjourned 2 weeks early, 2 weeks in a day early to get out of the legislative session for uh, the obvious reasons of dealing with the COVID-19 uh, and trying to figure out some responses. The legislature uh, skipped over a, a large backlog of legislation, education bills that had been worked on through the course of the session. I'm not sure anything had been by my accounting uh, other than the resolution on schools, Senate Bill 142, nothing else had passed the legislature yet. So there was a lot of things backed up. And once the normally would have been gone going through committee meetings week before last, and then last week, all that stopped. So there's a great deal of legislation that's sitting out there. The, uh, the legislature did not work on any additional bills within about the, for about the last week of the session that took quite a while to get closed down. And there's a description of that process in my report. Um, essentially, they skipped over most bills. They did uh, three things. They passed the, the basic budget bill that they needed in the event that the legislature would not return uh, this for any more of this session. They did a variety of emergency action that I'll go through here in a minute. And then uh, I'm going to just briefly describe what this these issues mean uh, for us in the K-12 system. Uh, the legislature has adjourned until April 27th. That was when the the wrap up veto session was supposed to start. Um, but it, it's actually a very fluid resolution. Normally they adjourn until the date, and then they're going to come back. We're going to have uh, the legislature is going to be wait, waiting and watching to see what evolves in terms of uh, public health in the state. What they will be able to. Uh, when and where they'll be able to get back together. They're going to have some flexibility in the time frame in which they come back. They may not come back on the 27th, but push it back a few weeks. Their signy die deadline is at the end of May, so they've got some time before they would officially be done. That date can't really be changed, but they're, um, they have some flexibility when they're going to get back. Whether they will come back is up and is in question whether they will come back and do any kind of emergency public health funding issues that need to be resolved and be in and out quickly is unknown or whether they will come back and spend a week or two and work on a bills and talk about a bunch of legislation that's out there. We don't know any of those issues right now and a lot of it's going to depend on what happens in our communities over the next couple of weeks and how we all handle that. So there's not um, there, there are there are many more unknowns than normal, and I'm going to talk about just a couple of things. The uh, we went through the process uh, of uh, closing down uh, the school buildings, the school taking place within buildings uh, over the course of about four days, uh, beginning on the 12th of May. 
and went through the process where the governor eventually on Monday, the 16th, um, closed school facilities for the remainder of the, the current school year. I remind my, my children who are still in school, that just means the facilities, they're continuing to learn. Um, the legislature passed uh, House Substitute for Senate Bill 142, which uh, grants, which removes the, uh, the, the, the hour minimum number of school hours required uh, that and then it also expands the ability of local health departments, the state uh, KDHE and the governor to expand those health uh, requirements as needed. And you've seen what's happened in Johnson County in the metro area, the state uh, health authority expanding their uh, those some of those decisions. Um, of course, KSDE has been working on the continuous learning task force. You all are going through what a lot of other districts are in terms of food availability. KSDE has announced that state assessments will be waived for the 1920 school year. The attorney general had a, a public meeting this morning, I believe, that modifies the open meetings regulations, which will make this meeting fit uh, within what is required. And I think the, the last thing I would mention just right off the bat was that the budget bill that was the only real piece of legislation passed. There were, there were a couple of other things, but the main bill was passed. It does include the $133 per pupil increase in the base aid uh, that was a part of the next year of the the, the Gannon resolution. It in, does include a two-year extension of the at-risk formula, high-density at-risk formula provisions that were in a couple of bills of substance. Uh, we have to thank uh, Senator Molly Baumgartner, who's chair of the Senate Education Committee, for making sure that was added into the budget when they ran the budget. Um, they also included in that uh, one issue that depending on how long this lasts, the the bond cap interest rate is set at the treasury bill rate plus 3%. And that is putting a lot of strain on municipalities, local units of government and cities uh, and school districts. And they passed a bill that increases that bond cap rate to 6%, uh, which was done the last time in 2008 after uh, during that recession. So um, in general, I would point to you that there are then for legislation, what's kind of left out there on page three of my report, right before the legislature left in the last week, the House Education Committee piled up a bunch of bills into a couple of packets, packages of bills. The Senate piled up some bills into a couple of packet, uh, packages. And there's a lot of small, and they're not insignificant, they're all significant to somebody, but None of them are 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 are, are absolutely necessary. I I don't think, and then I think folks would agree, and I think that's why they're that they, if they none of these things happen, I don't think it's going to be uh, too detrimental to get through, given the scale of issues you all are going to be dealing with. But um, obviously, the two things that are left still waiting out that didn't get passed were there were two versions of the non-public school scholarship plan that would have uh, modified and and eliminated at risk from the parts of the school scholarship, the non-public school scholarship program. Those bills are both sitting on general orders in the House and never had a chance to run. You know, there's a lot of other legislation in the bill. I think the budget was the key issue, the high density at risk on, on our platform, things we were interested in. Those are all the budgets now sitting in front of the governor. She's not signed it yet, but uh, she will. Um, I would be happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, you can go through the details of the bills that are kind of still alive if and when they come back and if and when they work on bills. So I'd be happy to pause here and see if I can answer any questions.
Um, what I'll do is I'll, I guess I'll ask each board member if they have a question, because I, I'm not seeing all of you on my screen at one time. Um, so I'll start with uh, Miss Jessica Hembry. Do you have any questions for Dr. Little at this time? No questions from me. Thank you. Thank you. Miss um, Goodburn, do you have any questions for Dr. Little? No. Um, and Reverend Guy, do you have any questions? No questions. Okay, uh, Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions? A quick question, um, referencing back uh, a dozen years ago, what was the process that the legislature goes through when they see a significant drop in revenue? Does that all wait until the next legislative session or is there an off season to which that's addressed prior to January? Well, you raise an interesting question. One of the things that's in the budget bill was um, $15 million that was uh, allocated to emergency management services and then $50 million of state general fund money that was appropriated to the legislative coordinating council, which is legislative leadership. And that's kind of a pot of money to be sitting there for the legislature to make uh, for the LCC in conjunction with the governor to, to to dole out as needed for any kind of crisis level services and those kind of things. What we're, what really everybody's waiting on is revenue. Uh, sales tax revenue is certainly going to take a hit. The state unemployment fund is going to take a hit, although they have reserves at this point. But there will be uh, revenue estimates made in the middle of next month. Uh, well, we were going to make them on April 15th, but I'm assuming we're going to be changing the Fed, the state tax uh, filing deadline to July along with the feds. And so there will be some attempt, I believe, to make a revenue estimate and that'll dictate what's going on. But over the course of the next six months or until we get to January of next year, there is, and when you, you ask about this, it's making me think back, but there is essentially an allotment procedure. If revenues decline so significantly and the state does not have the revenue, we we do thankfully at this moment have a significant cushion through the next two years. But uh, but if there were to be uh, a significant downturn and and which I think everyone's assuming there will be uh, of of some level, that when you get below when the state reserve the triggers don't really kick in until we get down to having reserves really low. And I think the uh, the 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 governor has the authority when we drop below a certain level to make allotment reductions and make re spending reductions at that point. And then um, it would be a matter of, uh, of reaching that point. I don't know that we'll get to that level of revenue loss before next January, but it's certainly out there. Uh, the legislature themselves can call a, a special session uh, and we could we could have uh, at that point, depending on what's going on. I'm not sure that's outside of the realm of possibility, depending on obviously how long this lasts. But the budget they sent out is is a is a, you know it's 19 billion dollars, but it's a a pretty um, there's not a lot of added stuff in here in part because they got done pretty quickly. But there we would have to drop really significantly in terms of what the cash reserves are for the state. And we would find that out at the end of the fiscal year, June 30th, or a couple of weeks after that. So we're going to, everybody's kind of watching to see. But at this point, I think some of the tax collections that we all saw coming in large every month for the last you know, 18 months or so will be kind of a cushion for a little while. Our question, if I may. Uh, 
there was originally an allocation of 260 plus million towards a uh, back payment on CAPERS funding. Uh, has that been removed from the budget that sits at the governor's desk? I cannot answer that question. I'll look into it and send you a message. Thank you. That's all. Thank you. Um, I think next, Miss um, Borgman, do you have any questions for Dr. Little? No questions. Thank you. Thank you. And then Dr. Sinclair, I have saved you for last. <laughs> do you have any questions for Dr. Little? Actually, uh, and Dr. Little, thank you. You answered my questions in the context of Brad's budget-related questions. So thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Little, for participating in our first virtual meeting. Thank you, and good luck with everything you all will be doing. Thanks. Okay, moving on to item 2.4, the budget, the board's financial report. Yes, and Russ, by that report for us, our chief financial officer. Thank you. Yeah, good evening. This is Russell Knapp. Um, the board financial report that is attached to this agenda is through February of 2020. Um, some of the items that we mentioned in the past were still tracking to be under budget, and those were the utilities and student transportation. With the uh, school not operating as normal for the rest of the school year, obviously we'll see maybe some savings there, additional savings in utilities, and definitely in our student transportation. Those other two line items, you recall, our certified substitute costs and our overtime were considerably over budget uh, through February. We might gain a little ground on that since, again, school won't be operating as normal, so that might come back towards budget at that point. Um, and as, you are, as you're aware, we will continue to get our general state aid, and then the last thing that we have is the special education state aid, which that reconciliation is done in the month of May. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, we're still about two months away from doing that. Um, and that's my report and I'll stand for any questions if you haven't. Okay, I will run through the list of folks. Um, Ms. Jessica Henry, do you have any questions? I'm curious Russell, if there's any um, line items that we expect might, it sounds like a lot of them are gonna go down in light of school closures, but are there any that we expect will be going up? First glance. There, there might be some supply line items in the operation maintenance budget, um, but overall, most of the things we'll probably see a little savings that will offset any of those increases that we're dealing with um, in the cleaning and other aspects of this crisis. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Goodburn, do you have any questions? No, I don't. Thanks, though. Uh, Ms. Reverend Guy, do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sinclair, do you have any questions? No additional questions. Thank you. Uh, does Ms. Borgman have any questions? No questions. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions? No questions. Great. Well, thank you, Mr. Knapp, for coming tonight. You're welcome. Okay, so we are moving on to item 2.05, approval to suspend board policy BCBI public participation. And I have to provide a bit of information before we do this. Um, so for folks listening at home, I want to say good evening and thank you again for joining us here at our first all virtual board meeting. Due to the current public health emergency and quarantine guidelines, it is necessary for this meeting to occur virtually. 
The district's technology personnel have worked diligently to establish a method whereby our community members can access this meeting and communications personnel have ensured that information about how to listen to our meeting has been disseminated to the public. We will continue to develop and refine the process for virtual meetings to ensure that the district is operating as transparently as possible during this time when the public cannot gather in person. On March 20th, the Kansas Attorney General submitted a new regulation for approval addressing compliance with COMA during an emergency. Although that regulation is not yet legally binding, we are going to follow it for this meeting as it sets forth best practices during our unprecedented circumstances. The regulation requires that at the outset of a virtual meeting, the board provide an explanation on several topics, including executive session, public comments, and accessibility of materials. As indicated in the public notes for this meeting, executive session occurred before the regular meeting. The procedure we used for executive session was a telephone conference call. Board members and staff participating in the executive session were conferenced together on the same call. There was no video recording of the individuals who participated in executive session. For this meeting, operationalizing public comment in the current electronic format was not possible. Therefore, when I conclude these remarks, I will seek a motion for board policy BCBI to be suspended for this, the March 23rd meeting. Community members are welcome to continue communications with the board via email. And during this period of transition, questions and concerns from parents are probably most efficiently addressed through your child's teacher or principal, while questions and concerns from staff members are most efficiently addressed through your direct supervisor or the appropriate district department. We understand that during this time of school building closure, the public will have a great interest in the board's decisions and the district's operations. We will continue to do our best to ensure that community members can follow the board discussion during the board meeting. We will have board meeting participants announce their name and title as appropriate before speaking. We will clearly state each motion prior to the vote and ensure that each list, all the listeners can hear how each board member voted. With regard to the agenda and materials discussed during the meeting, those may be accessed on the district website. Having provided this information, I will now seek a motion to suspend board policy BCBI for this evening. Do we have a motion? Approval. I would move approval. Ms. Goodburn, Goodburn. Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. Second. Um, can you announce who provided that second? Borgman second. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. Um, I'm going to go through everyone's name to get how you're voting. Um, I'll start with Ms. Jessica Hembry. Hi. Um, Ms. Goodburn. Hi. Reverend Guy. Hi. Dr. Sinclair. Hi. Uh, Ms. Borgman. Hi. Mr. Stratton. Hi. And myself, Heather Asley. Hi. Passes unanimously. And now we will move on to the 3.1 Leadership and Learning Program Evaluation. I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Dr. Michelle Hubbard, Assistant Teaching and Learning, and she's going to take the lead along with several team members. Good evening, everyone. I um, On your screen, you should now be able to see the presentation for the academic report. Additionally, you should have received the full report um, via board docs. And at, 
Uh, we're going to do our best to go through this presentation. Be patient with us. We're working as you are remotely and um, all kind of first time um, opportunity to run this presentation. So joining is Darren Dennis and Sherry Bumaline, and they're going to talk through the report. Good evening. This is Darren Dennis, Director of Curriculum and Instruction. And um, as Dr. Hubbard said, this uh, is a joint report between curriculum and instruction and special education. And next slide, please. We have intentionally um, centered our report around the work of the strategic plan. And uh, we focused on what our actions uh, what the plan calls for us to do, what actions we've taken, and what actions we still have left to take to uh, to meet our goals. Obviously, with this most recent uh, pandemic, our challenge has has grown and it's it's changed significantly. Our focus right now is on building teacher capacity and making sure that students have opportunities to continue to to learn. Uh, in other words, we are still focused on the core objectives identified in the strategic plan. Um, next slide, please. Good evening. This is Sherry Demeline, Director of Special Education. And while the, the report that we submitted, um, obviously there is a great deal of information in it, we really wanted to be able to highlight um, some of the areas that we have seen a lot of growth, and then we'll also capture some areas that we want to continue um, to make progress in. So within um, one of the things that I think is important to acknowledge is that CNI and special education have done a, a great deal of collaborative work. Um, so there are some of these um, bullet points that were um, maybe the lead was from CNI. However, special education um, was either at the table or participated um, right alongside. So there was a number of opportunities for curricular um, development. Um, we have PLCs occurring, obviously, with general education, also special education staff as well. Um, we're continuing the discussions and the, the work with our learning progressions, our common assessments, um, and our RTI work as well. Um, I, again, we know that our program evaluation is very broad, um, but we do believe um, that there is a, a great deal of layers of um, of partnership and collaboration that's occurring um, across the district um, within our departments. Um, next slide, please. Some of the highlights in terms of areas of progress, um, specifically not only in special education, um, but across the district is working to increase that staff and community engagement. I can speak specifically to special education and creating opportunities for our families in addition to our staff to um, receive additional training, additional guidance, additional information that maybe they wouldn't have previously had. We've also worked to create an expansion of our partnerships and offer varying professional developments, um, not just for special education, but also our general education staff as well, um, whether it's partnering, partnering with outside agencies or whether it's bringing groups um, within um, that would um, gain from each other's expertise. There are three other areas, um, the three bottom bullets that I'd like to spend a little more time on uh, regarding what we have been working on this year and where we still have, uh, where we're still growing. So next slide, please. Response to intervention is the first of those, and it, you'll often see it referred to as RTI. It is a system of learning that results in high levels of learning for all students. Uh, on our team, 
the strategic plan action team is led by Darcy Swan. And she has assembled a variety of stakeholders uh, who have worked on building that system, They've, including 10 parents uh, who are volunteering to attend work sessions and provide feedback to, uh, to complete this work. They are in the process of creating an evidence-based practice and teaching framework. Uh, that includes focus on equity and access to all students and especially to a strong core curriculum, uh, as well as evidence-based intervention and enrichment that matches research-based practice with the needs of an individual learner. So finding that uh, individual growth plan for a student. Um, they are helping also to define what we need to be tight with. In other words, what we need to be consistent across all of the schools in the district, where we will be loose. That is where buildings and classroom teachers uh, will make their professional judgments. Next slide, please. A couple of other areas that I wanted to mention as, as areas of focus that have, have been a, an, a real um, key for our, a real focus for us this year. Proficiency scales grew out of our work around priority standards. We've identified priority standards in each of the core areas and we're working on, on uh, the elective areas as well. And what the proficiency scales do is operationally define what those standards mean. In other words, identifying how we know when students have met that standard. But beyond that, they also provide a, a scaffold of skills or a progression of learning so that a teacher, a student, a parent could look at that proficiency scale and know what the goal is, but also what the steps are that the student would need to go through in order to demonstrate or to reach that goal. Um, as I said, at the elementary level, we were uh, piloting these uh, proficiency scales when the, the pandemic hit, and we were starting to get some feedback. We're, um, secondary level will follow behind that. They're uh, being developed now. But I'm hoping that through this uh, new challenge with uh, distance learning and, and engagement, that we can help teachers see how this could be a valuable tool for focus as well as communication with parents and students. In addition to that, uh, and I know you're all aware of the Kaufman Real World Learning Grant, it is a partnership with several districts. I think it's 15 across both the Kansas and Missouri side of the state line. And it's a partnership with the Kaufman Foundation uh, to develop market value assets in students. Uh, that is assets that give students a leg up or an advantage when they graduate. It could be internships, it could be entrepreneurship opportunities, it could be uh, career-based projects, it could be uh, college credit. There are a number of things it could be. We've put together a 50-person committee uh, that involves staff, parents, business and industry, uh, representative from higher education, as well as we even have someone from the State Board of Education, or the State Department of Education, rather, participating. That group is working to narrow our focus so that when we make our presentation to the Kauffman Foundation, whatever that now turns out to be, uh, that we, uh, we're trying to get three years of additional grant support. 
the committee at this point has identified internship opportunities, career, uh, I'm sorry, alternative means to reach high school credit, earn high school credit, and college and career, uh, college, sorry, career and tech campus offerings as areas of focus for our work. Next slide, please. Obviously, the biggest challenge we face immediately is dealing with the COVID-19 challenge. Um, it is unprecedented, but the staff is working extremely hard to give students and staff opportunities to continue to learn. Once we return to normal operations, uh, another significant challenge we face is in the area of structured literacy. The State Board of Education has um, imposed some new uh, guidelines, mandates, around what literacy instruction looks like, especially at the elementary level. And uh, so we have been really focusing on that. There's still significant work that needs to be done in that area. We've already partnered with a consultant, Stacy Cates. We've also worked with 95% uh, group, which is uh, focused on literacy instruction. And we're building a partnership with the State Department of Education on an ongoing training plan for staff that would span several years. Sure. In addition to the items that Dr. Dennis just referenced with um, COVID-19 and structured literacy, one of the, a couple of the additional focuses that our special education department are working on is increasing those transition planning opportunities for our students, whether that be from early childhood into kindergarten or elementary um, to the secondary level and making those transitions as fluid as possible. Um, types of information that we can help parents be feel better prepared and help sure help ensure that our students are also um, prepared for the differences um, of those different environments. Um, another area of focus um, and and challenge, but also um, continue to expand our professional development opportunities. We are also not only working for our staff, but specifically our families in special education and how we can help them navigate. Um, the process, how we can help them understand, how we can help them feel um, more included um, as members of their child's IEP team. Um, and so we have um, some groups that we, we hope previously had been hosting monthly sessions for families. Um, obviously, given the, the current state that we're in, we are exploring um, some virtual opportunities and what that can look like um, for the remainder of the school year. At this time, um, Dr. Dennis and I can answer any questions that you may have. Thank you so much. Um, I'll go through our list and see if we have board member questions. Um, Ms. Jessica Hembry, do you have any questions? I just have a brief, the term structured literacy is new to me. Can you explain briefly what that means? Structured literacy deals with um, how we present um, learning how learning how students read, and so it's it, it's a phonics approach and phonemic awareness, and it's 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 structured in that way. There's a progression of how students learn to uh, learn to read, and we need to follow that brain-based research. Is it particularly related to dyslexic students, or why do why why do I associate these two terms together in my my head? I, I should have used that in the presentation itself, but yes, it is uh, because it is how the brain learns to read. It is especially good for dyslexic students. Good for anybody, but it, 
it uh, it would be necessary for dyslexic students. Thank you. I don't have any other questions. Thank you, um, Mr. Goodburn. Do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you, um, Dr. Sinclair. Do you have any questions? Uh, I I do have two. Um, one is, and this might be premature in terms of the, the kind of timeline and schedule for events uh, in terms of moving forward with some of these um, plans and pilots and things. Um, is there, um, are those components being considered in terms of providing remote access to continue that work? I, I'm sorry, maybe that's just a little too quick to ask those questions about next steps and process, but I was just thinking about the timeline in terms of the strategic plan and wait till next week, maybe. Mary, you, um, this is Michelle, and you were cutting out, but I think you were, I don't know if you were asking specifically to structure literacy or all of the professional learning opportunities. All, all of them. I was speaking more broadly. So I think that the answer is we're working on that. Um, it hasn't been on our radar for this week other than the immediate professional learning in regards to how to use WebEx and some of those types of opportunities. But I honestly think this is an opportunity to give us a lot of extra PD time between now and May. And I think you're gonna see building focusing on that. So I did reach out to our Title I schools today to talk a little about, about extended PD. Um, and then uh, we'll be scheduling meetings, but I actually think we'll continue. It just is not gonna look the same. Okay, so this, so is there an opportunity to continue things like the proficiency scale and the pilot of those with students? Or again, is that too soon to ask that question? I think there are opportunities, yes. It will look different and we need to provide professional development, professional learning opportunities for our staff to make sure they know how to use them. But we're going to try to begin that work. Okay, exciting. Okay, thank you. Dr. Sinclair, um, Ms. Borgman, do you have any questions? Yeah, just a couple of questions. And then also just, um, I just wanted to tell you guys that this is really exciting and great job. I know that you guys have all spent hours on this, um, years <laughs> in, in some instances. So thank you very much for all the hard work. And I love that the SPED is such a huge focus of this. So that is, that's also wonderful and great job. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I had some timeline questions that Dr. Sinclair sort of addressed. Um, and then also, you know, so we won't worry about timeline stuff right now because that's so undefined at this point, um, but also wanted to just see, are you guys offering surveys um, as to how things are working? Um, what areas of opportunity there may be? For example, I know that um, you had some new teachers participate in a new teacher academy. Um, there were 190 new teachers and, you know, are there surveys that go out after different programs and events just to capture what what we did well and what maybe we could improve upon? So we did, um, we do have a very in-depth survey from New Teacher Academy for the last two years for sure and possibly three, but I know we have two years of data. And so, yes, we do that. We also send out surveys after our instructional fairs 
um, and provide uh, gather feedback in regards to that. And then um, we send out annually a needs assessment to all staff that says what kind of professional learning do you need? And not only what do you need, but how do you prefer to get it? You prefer to have it online, you prefer to have it in small groups. So, um, Darren, help me have that for this school year again. I know we were working on it within the last. Yeah, we're working on it. It's, it's about ready to go, but we haven't sent it yet. Okay. Thank you guys. Great job once again. Thank you. Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions this evening? No questions. Thank you. Thank you. And I also do not have questions at this time. So thank you all for your presentation. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we will be moving on to um, our consent items. 4.1 approval of the. We have another. Oh, sorry, we do. My apologies. We have the student and family services program evaluation. I skipped ahead there. Um, 3.2. Thank you. Yes, no worries. Thank you. Um, we have Dr. Ed, this is Mike Fulton, superintendent. We're going to have Dr. Ed Strike, student services, introduce uh, his team members, and they have a brief presentation for you. Dr. Fulton, Madam President, members of the Board of Education, thank you for providing Dr. McKinney and myself the opportunity to share with you some information regarding the support that students and family services provides for our students and their families. Unfortunately, due to our unique circumstances this evening, we will not be able to have David Armovich present with us. He is our district McKinney liaison, and he will not be able to be in attendance. Next slide, please. Our department provides assistance for students and families in need and specifically for students with Section 504 plans in place, students identified as McKinney-Vento, migrant students, and foster care students. The district provides support services, case management, community resource referrals, and food assistance as needed for students and their families. The Student and Family Services Department strives to promote the well-being and school participation fostering increased student achievement. The department's team members support all three phases of the district's strategic plan objectives, which are identified on this slide. Next slide, please. Dr. McKinney, through the next five slides, and then I will come back on the foster care towards the end. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss the Department of Student and Family Services. I'm going to share an overview of three programs that fall under our department's watch, 504s, McKinney-Vento, and the Migrant Education Program. To start, Section 504 is a civil rights law that bans disability discrimination. It's also a law that provides 504 plans. Under Section 504, students with disabilities have the right to reasonable accommodations. Disabilities are defined as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. If a student is determined to have a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity, the building's 504 team begins to evaluate whether a 504 plan is appropriate, and if so, which accommodations should be considered necessary, effective, and potentially implemented. 504 accommodations are designed to provide equal access and enable the student to participate in district programs and activities both in and outside the classroom. And at the bottom of this slide, you can see our 1819 and 1920 numbers. Next slide, please. 
Next, the McKinney-Vento program. It is incumbent on any educational agency to ensure that every child of a homeless individual and each homeless youth has equal access to the same free, appropriate public education, including a public preschool education as provided to other children and youths. And I believe on the next slide, you can see our McKinney-Vento enrollment from both 1819 and 1920, as well as the transportation costs for each year. Next slide, please. Here I'd like to spend just a minute talking about Project Home. Project Home is a result of the efforts of Dr. Atha, Dr. Dennis, and our district McKinney-Vento liaison, David Armovich, who four years ago visited a neighboring district and saw a similar program, and then had the courage and the foresight to bring one to fruition in Shawnee Mission. In the three years Project Home has been operational, they have helped 46 families become presently become housed and helped another 93 families from losing their housing. Working in conjunction with communities of faith, local and county service providers and community partners, Project Home is working to eradicate homelessness, reduce poverty in Johnson County and promote self-sufficiency for families and students. And I know I speak for everyone when I say we're exceedingly proud of the work David and others are doing with this important valuable project. Even in these unprecedented times, Project Home continues to work remotely with its partners and families in the Shawnee Mission School District. And in many ways, this work has taken on an even greater significance. Next slide, please. And finally, the Migrant Education Program, which helps ensure that migratory students who move among the states are not penalized in any manner by disparities among states in curriculum, graduation requirements, or academic content, or academic achievement standards. And at the bottom of this slide, you can see our current migrant student enrollment. And with that, I will turn it over to Dr. Strike to speak on fosters. Thank you. Uh, as we begin to discuss foster care, it's important to realize in 2015, President Obama signed the Every Student Succeeds Act commonly known as ESSA, that amended the Elementary Secondary Education Act. For the first time, ESSA embeds into federal law provisions that promote school stability and success for youth in foster care. Prior to that uh, 2015 amendment, foster care students were included under McKinney-Vento status. Now, foster often experiencing multiple moves during their academic careers. Under the new provision, school districts and foster care agencies like KP and St. Francis must hold bid meetings, which are determined as best interest determination meetings to discuss a student's enrollment. A school of origin, which is commonly associated with foster care as well as McKinney-Pinto, means that a school in which a child is enrolled at the time of placement into foster care, that is the school that they should continue to attend based on the best interest determination meeting. What will take place? I will be a part of the meeting along with KBC or St. Francis representatives our building principals, and in many cases, our building social workers, so that we can discuss what is in the best interest of this child. And as a part of those conversations, we work together.
to ensure that we can provide what is best for the child. And if the placement does deem that the child needs to stay in that area, but they reside currently outside the home attendance area of that school of origin, the district in partnership with KDC or St. Francis will literally split costs to provide that transportation. One of the key factors on school of origin is to ensure that the student is not having to be transported in an exorbitant amount of distance. And we try to look at that based on the age of the child so that we do not create hardship for the family and for the child. In any case, next slide, please. As you look at our numbers, they have significantly gone up during the 1920 school year. We're currently serving or had currently served 141 students. You see the breakdown between elementary, early childhood, middle, and high. As compared to 2008, served 92. During the 18-19 school year, we were providing transportation for um, 18 or 14 of the students. This year during the school year, we've provided transportation for eight. And you can see the costs associated with that uh, trip. Next slide, please. Our future efforts and goals will continue to focus on fulfilling the strategic plan of our district. We believe the beliefs, mission, and objectives and strategies speak directly to the challenge and important work that we are doing in our department. And we look forward to seeing this crucial work continue. We'd be happy to address any of this time. Okay, we'll get started with asking board members. Um, try and mix it up a little bit. Reverend Guy, do you have any questions? I don't at this time, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Borgman, do you have any questions? I do. Um, and first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for this presentation and thank you so much for all you do for um, our students that uh, really need it. Um, I'm anticipating that these numbers will grow. Um, you know, you see and hear all the time um, that people are getting laid off. So if, if a family is in a situation um, where they should need some assistance, um, they're close to homelessness, what would be the best way for a family to get in contact with Project Home or forward with you? speak to that? Sure. Um, thank you for the question. And, uh, you know, I would say with uh, McKinney-Vento, if they're struggling with um, meeting their needs in, within the current home or they're looking at potentially losing their home um, or they're in a position where they have other needs that need to be addressed, the very first person to reach out to is going to be the school social worker who are um, back in business and available and um, would be able to direct them either to resources or initiate a CARES fund request or refer them to uh, David Armovich. Um, for you know all the services that he provides, so they are the definitely the best place to start, and from there they can you know assess needs and determine the best course of action. Okay, I appreciate that. I just think that's super important to reiterate right now that if a family is struggling, um, if if both you know 
mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, whoever is is watching um, a shoddy mission student, you know, who has lost their jobs, please contact and reach out to your social worker and um, at your home elementary school or middle school or high school, wherever your Shawnee Mission student attends and let us partner, let uh, Dr. McKenney, David Armovich, let us partner with you to get you the resources and the needs that you may qualify for. Absolutely, and, and that can include, you know, social and emotional needs as well. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, potential homelessness or, or anything, you know, sort of tangible like that. It, it can be just needs uh, around anxiety, around, you know, questions. Um, we want to be there for our families during this challenging, incredibly challenging time. And, and the social worker or, or the school counselor or the school administrator or a, a, a teacher that they're comfortable with, but that will help us, um, you know, sort of put the best systems of response into place. Um, so absolutely reach out to someone and we'll we'll go from there. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair, do you have any questions? Uh, it's kind of on a similar line. Um, the both the 504 and um, the foster care programs had a pretty significant jump in uh, students participation. Does that what kind of impact does that have? Kind of on the program and our budgeting and capacity to provide services, or is that uh, typical to kind of fluctuate to that degree? Foster care, I'll take that. Under foster care, we've, uh, from a budgetary standpoint, we anticipated an increase in transportation costs this year. So, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we are going to be under what we've uh, budgeted, but the anticipate or the growth of foster care, I think, has become greater this year than what we had anticipated uh, when you compare the 141 compared to the previous year. So our big concern right now moving forward is how do we continue to best meet the needs, especially with the foster care system in the state of Kansas undergoing such a transformation as we begin to move forward with providers and support systems. Okay. With 504s, the Shawnee Mission School District staff will continue to support accommodations and modifications and access to resources to support students um, who have 504s. There's uh, protocols around uh, initial evaluations and reevaluations, and that information is being distributed as well. So we're going to continue to the very best of our ability um, to meet the needs of our students um, with 504 plans. And then with regard to, um, you know, the numbers, I think that we've seen, um, I've seen them go up and I've, I've seen them sort of stabilize. So I think what we're seeing, you know, we do see an increase at the elementary level, but I think it's, um, I'm not considering it atypical at this point. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Goodburn, do you have any questions? No, Dr. McKinney answered my question. Thank you. And Ms. Henry, do you have any questions? Uh, no specific questions. It might be just a broader flag that I think these are both just heard two different program evaluations and they both followed really different formats, which might be fine. I just was going to flag broadly the question of how much of them should be sort of 
tracking a strategic plan versus more just updating us on a program broadly. So not a question to be answered today, just a, a broader flag about how we, what the term program evaluation means for us moving forward and how we have um, some parameters for what those look like across all the different programs we operate at the district. Not a question, just a comment. And respond very quickly because of the uh, these programs with the student services that we outlined and illustrated this evening are based on federal programming. So they take on a little bit different flavor than what uh, the CNI and the special education department provided specifically uh, within the strategic plan. There are not action steps specifically identified for the areas that we discussed tonight, but what we try to do is encompass and support the district's mission, vision, goals, as well as the beliefs and the objectives that we have in place. Thank you. Thank um, you. I have a question, actually. Um, I know there's significant concerns with um, rapid increases in um, foster care children. Well, not just in our state, but everywhere, but also in our state. Um, are we equipped and prepared to deal with the influx of kiddos who will likely have significant additional needs as we move forward? We're lucky that we have increased our social worker. Many times our social workers are on the front line, especially with our foster care families and working with our foster care students. So much of the support that we have is at the building level where our social workers, teachers, and educational leaders work to meet those needs of the students. Because unfortunately, uh, kids are coming to us with greater demands, greater trauma, and we need to continue to provide support so that we can ensure that we are bringing those students to reach their fullest potential. Thank you, Dr. Strike. It's appreciated. Thank okay. Um, Thanks to everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you. President Leslie, if I may, this is uh, Mike Fulton. Yeah, of course, Dr. Fulton. I just want to thank, yeah, I just want to thank <laughs> both groups for their presentations tonight. As you know, our, our program evaluations are still relatively new and they're evolving. Looking forward to us continuing to bring data and information forward to the board and the public in ways that really give us a good look at how we're doing on operationalizing uh, the three objectives that we have in our plan and, and fulfilling our mission as a school district. Thank you. my comments. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I was so eager to get here before and we're here now. So we're moving on to 4.1 um, approval of the consent items. So I will seek a motion for that. Move approval. This is Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. I will now seek a second. Second, Mr. Stratton. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? No, the motion passes 7-0. And moving on to our action items for this evening. Um, 5.1 is the approval of the superintendent's actions related to the closing of the district. Um, I'll seek the motion in the second and then we'll have some time for discussion if there there's some discussion. I don't know if Dr. Fulton has comments with regards to that. Um, so the motion for 5.1. Move approval, Mrs. Goodburn. 
Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second, Ms. Henry. Um, I, I believe that was a second from Ms. Henry. Is that correct? Thank you. Um, Dr. Fulton, did you have additional comments you were going to say to this tonight, or did you cover it all in your superintendent report? Uh, I will make a just a very brief comment. This may be a duplicative of what is needed. Certainly, the governor has the authority and use that authority to close close down through the end of the year, a decision that we think was uh, wise, prudent, and uh, right in these circumstances. But uh, did want to make the board aware there is a policy that allows uh, to take action as necessary to to deal with uh, any kind of district closer closing. That concludes my comments. Thank you. Um, I'm, I guess I'll run through the names really quick to see if anybody has a specific comment they would like to make with regards to this. Um, Mr. Stratton, do you have any comments? I don't. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Borgman, do you have any comments? No comments, thank you. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair, do you have any comments? None, thank you. Thank you. Um, Reverend Guy, do you have any comments? No comments. Ms. Goodburn, do you have any comments? No. Uh, Ms. Henry, do you have any comments? Nope. All right, well, I, I have a comment and I will just say even prior to the governor uh, taking the actions that she did, I was very proud of our district's leadership team um, they were working 20 hours a day for multiple days, tracking everything that was happening um, and made a decision to close down our buildings um, in order to protect the health and safety of our community. Um, and I was thankful that they were already as prepared as they were to do that. Um, and they partnered with Johnson County Department of Health and Environment and the other six local school districts, I think Johnson County can be really proud of the collaborative work with all six leaders or all six school districts. Their superintendent, our superintendents did a great job. Um, and with that, um, I think we can, we'll just, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? This is 7-0. All right, moving on to 5.2. Approval of the career and technical education project lead the way computer equipment refresh. Move for approval. Moved by Mr. Stratton. Do I have a second? Second, Dr. Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Um, is there any discussion on this before we vote? I'll just let someone identify themselves and say their name if they'd like to discuss this item. No discussion at this time. Um, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Seven zero. Moving on to 5.3 approval of the playground renovations at Blue Jacket Flint Elementary and Neiman Elementary to be purchased through the Kansas State Purchasing Cooperative. I'll seek a motion for approval. Move approval, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Is there a second? Borkman, second. Thank you, Ms. Borkman. Um, is there any discussion on this item before we move to vote? Borgman has a question. Um, oh, go ahead. Is this part, um, this is kind of a newbie question. Um, is this, I'm very excited for these elementary schools to be getting these playground renovations. I know the kids will be very excited. Um, is this just part of a cycle? Are elementary schools on a cycle as to how 
it's determined that they get new playground equipment or how are these schools chosen? This is Mike Fulton. I'm going to have Dr. Afa respond to uh, items 5.03 and 5.04, should there be any questions. So, Dr. Afa. Good evening. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Um, yes, uh, what we're doing, and, and we've been getting pretty good reviews from, um, from our elementary schools. We've been uh, renovating their playgrounds as we can as we have the funding available to do this, uh, as you know, uh, this item is budgeted and it will be paid for out of capital outlay. Um, but we're in the process of doing all of our elementaries. This the and I'm sorry, Dr. Atha, uh, is this the first batch of elementary schools to um, receive this new playground renovation? No, there's been several elementaries previously that have been renovated. Okay. Well, they will be very excited when they come back to school. Yes, they will. Thank you. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Seven zero. Moving to 5.4, approval of the Shawnee Mission School District's annual summer asphalt and curb improvement projects. I'll seek a motion to approve. Move approval. This is Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Hembry, second. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. Um, is there any discussion on this item before we move to vote? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Passes 7-0. Moving to 5.05, um, audiovisual upgrades for the Shawnee Mission South Auditorium. We'll seek a motion for approval. So move, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Is there a second? I'll second. I'm not sure who that was. <laughs> um, can I can I get that second again? Jessica Henry will second. Thank you, Ms. Henry. Is there any discussion on this item? Hearing none. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that you, Dr. Sinclair? Yeah, this, I'm just um, more for observation here. I'm assuming this is again um, each of these items that we've been going through. These are budgeted in capital funds. That is correct. Uh, they are budgeted. They'll be paid for out of capital outlay. They're all summer projects. And this, the last one that you're considering in reference to the audiovisual. This is something that has been ongoing um, at our high schools and our middle schools to upgrade their sound and uh, uh, audio systems. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further discussion on this item? All right, hearing none, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any opposed? This is 7-0. Okay, so now we're moving into the policy discussion. Um, 5.6 approval of revised board policy JCDBB weapons. Um, so, yeah, uh, I can explain a little bit first for as yeah. the chair of the committee and and um, Ms. Tambri can also um, uh, chime in if she wishes. Um, this is basically, we're just changing this policy out to match KASB's 
a model policy. I don't know why I can't answer it. I was on the committee a few years ago and we redid, you know, and, and matched our policies to KSB. I don't know why I think it was probably recommended that we could keep either policy at that time. But now I think that it's time for us to move to the KSB model policy. It's more updated. And so we think that we should go ahead and do this. This has been vetted by all of the people, all of our administrators that deal with these um, uh, different um, aspects. And so it has been vetted, but this is only a first read too. So um, if you have comments, you can make those here. Those can be passed on to Dr. Fulton for his administrative team to work on and any changes that we would wanna to make to the policy or whatever um, can be done. Um, this is only a first read, so we're not voting tonight. Okay. Ms. Emory, do you have anything else to add? I don't have anything else to add. I think just uh, uh, more for the other folks who are new, Jamie. <laughs> um, uh, say that a lot of these go as the languages provided by KASB and we're working through them in some chunks just for reference. So um, that first letter that you see on the policy, the J of the JCDBB, um, all of the J items are tend to relate to the same topic in this case about um, sort of student participation in schools and student policy handbooks. So um, right now that's the section we're working through just for background. Thank you. Thank you. And then I'll turn right back to you for 5.7 um, approval. Of the it's the same story. This is drug-free schools. It's a first reading as well. And again, it's just to match um, Shawnee Missions policy to the model policy as offered up by KASB. Again, I don't know why um, four or five years ago when we did this that we kept our own, we were probably given the opportunity to keep our own policy um, or go to theirs, and we chose to go uh, keep our own at that point, but now it's being advised, and I think that um, we are recommending that we go to KSB's model policy again for this. And again, this has been vetted by all the administrators that deal with these things, these issues in schools with our students. So, and again, this is just a first read. So if you have questions, comments, anything, uh, please direct those to Dr. Fulton so um, that we could get that on hopefully on a second read on our next meeting. Thank you so much, both uh, Ms. Goodburn and Ms. Hembry. So moving on to 5.8, approval of revised board policy, um, JBC, which is student admissions to withdrawals from school. So this is a first and final reading and I'll turn it over to you again, Sarah. Right, now this one we are um, asking for a first and final read on it. It's um, basically has, um, it's our policy, it's a model policy from KSB, but it has been um, um, a little edit made to it as suggested by our administrators that deal most often with um, tra student transfers. And it's just to clarify the language and give more clarification to um, the policy. And so it's just a, um, you can, I think that you saw the um, language that was added and it's a, um, and anyway, and we're asking for a first and final read on that. Um, well, I can seek a motion and a second. I would move approval. Okay, thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? I'll second that. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Um, I can open it up for discussion. If there are any questions from board members, can you, instead of going through everyone's names, can we try to have every, someone identify their name and then speak to what their question is? Okay, I'm, I'm not hearing any questions at this time. And so I um, will ask all those in favor to say aye. 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 
Are there any opposed? Hearing none, um, passes 7-0. Moving on. To, thank you very much, Ms. Goodburn and Ms. Embry. Moving on to 5.9, approval to add behavioral health services to the district's health center. I'll seek a motion um, and then a second, and then we can get discussion on this item. Move approval, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank second, you, Mrs. Goodburn. Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Um, Dr. Fulton, did you have comments on this to give folks a brief explanation of this one? I do. Uh, this is uh, this is a project that's been for a little while, Dr. Sumner is prepared to give the board a brief overview uh, context for what you're being asked to approve this evening. Dr. Sumner. Good evening. Um, as indicated in my written report, uh, this evening we are seeking your approval to enter into a partnership with both the City of Oakland Park and the City of Olathe to add on-site behavioral health services to the Priority One Health Center that is hosted at the CAA. Um, the district's focus on staff well-being really has never been stronger than it is right now. And we believe that the success of our current and most prominent initiatives, those I outlined in my written report, has prepared us to take this next step uh, with our new partners, we hope. Um, as I hope each of you are, we, we're thrilled with the results we're achieving through Priority One, through the District Fitness Center, and through our Barometric Screening Program, mm -hmm. uh, Biometric Screening Program, I'm sorry. But what we've come to understand as we've grown in our well-being program is that this program can't be considered truly whole until it also provides services for social and emotional needs. And, and that's something right now we feel we could do a much better job at, and we believe this service closes the gap in services that currently exist. Um, you know, it was, it was wonderful to hear Dr. Strike and Dr. McKinney talk about the, the programs and the services we have and that we immediately put into action when we have a student in crisis. Once we add these services, we'll be able to say we do the same thing for staff when they're in crisis. And so that's really the motivation behind this. We have. We have a staff that has needs in this category, and these services delivered by a trusted source will move us forward in meeting the needs that are so important to our staff. Thank you, Dr. Sumner. Um, does anyone have any questions at this time with regards to this item? I have a question. Um, go ahead, Reverend Guy. Um, Dr. Sumner, I think this this question was asked, but if you would answer it again publicly, um, people were concerned about confidentiality and perhaps a separate entrance or something. Could you address that? You bet. This this is certainly a delicate uh, form of support that we're going to provide. Um, though you could make a comparison that even the services we provide for physical health are delicate, and 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 they are. This, this certainly is at a different and more significant level. We're taking steps to provide um, two options for entering the health center when visiting for this purpose. Uh, we'll also be able to streamline appointments for this service differently than we do physical health. Maintaining confidentiality has been a flagship of Priority One since the day it opened. And, and though there is a, a more enhanced and more delicate nature to this service, 
we are just as confident in securing that confidentiality confidentiality in this program as we are in any other. Of course, as we do with the, the physical health services provided by Priority One, we will be seeking and gathering feedback from staff every step of the way and adjusting services and practice to meet the needs of our staff. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any further questions? Uh, I, I, go is, ahead. Is that Ms. Borgman? Borgman did have a question. I think someone else does too. Um, I'll just ask mine really quick. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Dr. Sumner. This is a fabulous, um, you know, service for our staff. How soon um, will this, you know, if and when approved, how soon will um, district staff be able to take advantage of this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as Dr. Fulton referenced, we've been working on this for the better part of two years. And I cannot begin to say enough positive things about the, the teams in Overland Park and Olathe and their contributions to, to making this a reality for all three of us. Because of all the, the background work that's been completed, once we secure approval this evening, uh, we will be moving forward immediately with Marathon Health and begin the search uh, for the appropriate staff. And we believe that we'll be in a position to begin offering this service uh, July 1. Might just add a suggestion. I know um, telemed is a big thing right now. Um, you might, and I know not all therapists um, or behavioral health experts are certified in, in telemed. Um, so that might be something given our current situation. Hopefully by July 1, we'll be um, past this, but it might be something to, to consider to see if, you know, um, there is some certification there for our staff members that would like to take advantage of these services um, remotely. Jamie, it's, a, it's an excellent point and very timely. Uh, just in the past three or four days, our discussion has turned in that very direction. Uh, right. Because we do know, even though the environment is different, um, the need still exists. And if we find ourselves still in this position, uh, although I hope we won't uh, in July, we want to make sure that whomever we've contracted with to provide the service is able to do so even under these working conditions. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Um, and I believe there was one more person who had a comment or a question. Yeah, this is Jessica Hembry and uh, Jamie's question is a good segue here. I'm not clear on whether priority one is currently operating given school closures. I know most of our buildings are closed and the CAA is closed unless otherwise necessary, but is priority one currently operating? So another timely and excellent question. Um, priority one has been fully operational over spring break and into today, and uh, we expect them to be rolling tomorrow. I will tell you this, uh, we had a discussion this morning with the executive leadership team and also with the district cabinet members that we may find ourselves needing to adjust the manner in which we are delivering services through Priority One very shortly, as, as quickly as this week, given two things. One, um, they are running out of PPE, uh, personal protection equipment, and we do not want to put them in a compromised position while they care for the needs of our staff if they don't have that equipment. We are told the likelihood that their supply of this equipment will be restocked soon is not good. So that could force us to shift services. The other thing that comes into play 
is that for the last week, we have been offering staff members with appointments the option to visit with a, with a member of the Priority One staff telephonically or virtually. And almost exclusively, that has been the option that our, our staff have been selected. So those two things combined may shift us very quickly into a virtual practice uh, where our physicians will have software added to their workstations at home so they can have face-to-face -face contact with staff members and still treat them, but do so in a different way based on the conditions that exist and the preferences of our staff. But they do continue to fully continue service to our staff members during this time. It just may look different. Now, in addition, very importantly, we have a prescription medication process at Priority One where staff can get many of their medications free of charge for up to 90 days. Should we shift to a virtual approach or platform, uh, we are taking steps to ensure the prescription medication process is still intact, whether it be through home delivery or through some type of pickup process uh, scheduled and very tightly controlled uh, through the on-site center at, at CAA. Thank you. You bet. We're trying very, very diligently to evolve with the times. Um, thank you. This is um, uh, Mary Sinclair. I assume that if there's any supplies at any of the schools for safety, gloves or masks, that kind of thing, those have already been scraped for the priority one. Is that an option or already been pursued? I can, I can address that one, uh, Dr. Sinclair, it's Mike Fulton. Um, we, uh, we have uh, concerns about perhaps ongoing needs in our, uh, for example, even in food distribution, there may be a need. And so we are, we're taking a lead from uh, uh, our, our head nurse for the district on what we do. Our supplies in general, across the district are in pretty, they're in pretty short supply. Okay. So uh, she's, uh, Shelby Reebok is actually leading the charge on that. I might also, uh, we've been doing a lot of coordinating with the County Department of Health and she has done an absolutely fantastic job of both representing the district in our community, uh, but very, partner uh, with so if we have some supplies that we can share whether that's internal we'll do it but really that under her expert uh, guidance and care thank you any final questions or comments on this item hearing none all those in favor say aye aye aye, aye. Are there any opposed? Item passes 7-0. Moving on to the Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Sumner. Moving on to 5.10, approval of administrative salaries. Um, <clears throat> should I let you speak to that just quickly, Dr. Fulton, or should I seek the motion in second first and then we can speak on it? Uh, you can go ahead and do the motion if you'd like and then we can speak to it. Okay, I seek a motion to approve administrative salaries. I'll move approval, Dr. Sinclair. Thank Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Um, I'll give you a moment to say something on that, Dr. Fulton. Sure, thank you very much. Um, we are recommending that administrators receive a 1% base raise. 
Same as the teachers with it, with some exceptions. Uh, this recommendation has the superintendent and cabinet for the 2019-2020 uh, school year state on their uh, on their previous salary level, so they get a zero percent base raise. And there are some other administrators who also get a base raise of zero percent. Those are primarily folks who are hired in to the 2019-20 school year in Shawnee Mission. And we always factor their uh, their hiring salary uh, into whatever compensation they're going to receive. So they would not have received that any kind of base uh, raise anyway. Um, are there any board member comments on this item? Hearing none. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? All right. Passes seven zero. And we made it to uh, 6.1 comments from board members. <clears throat> um, I'll go through the line to make sure I don't miss anybody. Give me just one moment. Um, I'll start with uh, Ms. Goodburn. Do you have any comments this evening? No comments. Thank you. Ms. Tambry, do you have any comments? Um, I just want to say, and I'm sure other folks will have similar sentiments to share, but a big thank you to our administrative team. The last weeks has been a whirlwind for everyone. It's been a whirlwind for every one of us just personally trying to figure out what our daily lives look like. Um, and for our admin team that has been dealing with what all of this means for them personally, as well as what it means for them to be responsible for 27,000 kids in our community and all the parents of those 27,000 kids is not any small task. And um, I just cannot do enough to express my extreme gratitude to Dr. Fulton and the team for everything that you have done to carry us through this in a way where we have come out, um, I think, ahead of the curve, the very flat curve we're all working towards. We are ahead of it. Um, and I know how much work this team has done, and I know how much work all of our teachers have done. Um, over the course of this board meeting, actually, uh, my son's teacher texted and asked me to mystery read on Friday. So I absolutely, as a parent, love seeing how much um, this learning experience is just chugging along for our kids. It means a lot um, to, to my kids and it means a lot to all of our kids that there's something that's still routine and normal. And I'm really grateful that this district has provided that. So thank you. Um, and thank you to all of the teachers out there and the parents out there who are doing everything you can, everything they can to make this um, okay for our kids. Thank you. Reverend Guy, do you have any comments this evening? Guy. All right. Well, moving on to uh, Dr. Sinclair. Do you have any comments this evening? I'll second Ms. Hembrys. Thank you very much. That was well said. Thank you to our administrative leadership team and our principals and teachers now who are taking it to the next step and greatly appreciate that. And to you, Ms. Owsley, for your role in the last couple of weeks, too. I think it's doubled your volunteer time, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And some. Thank you. Um, Ms. Sporkman, do you have any comments this evening? Yeah, I just, again, want to echo the huge thank you to Dr. Fulton and the cabinet and the administrators. Um, you know, we're writing this playbook as we're going, and I know that it'll be a playbook that we will look back on and other, you know, future Shawnee Mission staff members will look back on and learn from. Um, as we will learn from it as well. And so I just want to thank the teachers for being 
flexible. Um, they're learning a new way to teach and communicate with students. Um, thank you to the community for just giving us some grace and patience as we navigate through this unprecedented time. Um, to the seniors out there, I'm just so sorry that you are missing this, you know, memorable time of school. My heart breaks for you guys and um, nobody wanted to see your senior year end this way. Um, and so I just want to tell you how, how deeply sorry I am. I know there's a lot of parents and kids out there grieving right now. Um, I would also like to just thank the school nurses, as Dr. Fulton had said, for answering the calls on the COVID hotline. Um, and there have been so many teachers who have hopped online and done fun, interactive art projects and story times. And just it's just been really amazing to see the Shawnee Mission community come together. Um, I, I received a lot of questions about distance learning um, and just, again, continue to be patient with us as you have. Thank you for just giving us, a, again, a little bit of grace during this time. Um, I know there's a lot of questions out there and we will get, you know, all of those questions answered. Um, we're just trying to, you know, get through some of these, this, this key week and getting our teachers up to speed. So thanks again to everybody. Mr. Stratton, do you have any comments for this evening? And, and mine has to do with uh, recognizing the incredible collaboration that took place among all of our governing bodies within the Johnson County. Uh, we've talked about it many times how the Shawnee Mission School District is uh, blessed to sit in an area that includes 13 or 14 different municipalities and uh, overlap with uh, a variety of other uh, governing bodies to make up uh, the Shawnee Mission District in Johnson County. What the public does not get a chance to see is how many hours of collaborative time, conference calls over weekends that Dr. Fulton has participated along with his team to put together as best they can these incredible and important decisions on the fly. And uh, so my, my comments are to say thank you to all the time that was spent behind the scenes putting together what We've had to do in making very difficult decisions along the way. And secondly, I think this is a great lesson for all of us in elected leadership, and that is continuing to uh, develop and nurture relationships with our neighboring districts and with our fellow elected leaders. Because when this uh, tidal wave came about that we need to make all these decisions, it was wonderful to see so many of these entities come together so quickly. They were familiar with each other and they were able to collaborate and work together um, on a moment's notice. So thank you for Dr. Fulton who led the way on this, but I want to recognize all of our governing bodies uh, in the surrounding area. Thank you for your partnership on these decisions. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go circle back to Reverend Guy because I think her mic was off earlier and now it might be My working. computer just shut down, so oh, okay. <laughs> get, it, get you all back. Um, I just want to echo all the words of appreciation that everyone else has shared for our administrators, our whole team, teachers. I know we're reaching out to students last week, even though it was their spring break. Just everybody um, recognized that this is just not, we've never lived through anything like this before. And I appreciate the grace and the patience that everyone is showing and the can-do spirit that it seems like everybody's exhibiting too that we're going to get through this together and it's going to 
look different. The rest of the school year is going to look different, but we're still determined to educate our students as best as we possibly can. So thank you to everybody. And in non-COVID news, um, I want to remind everybody that National Census Day is April 1st, and I don't want that to get lost in everything else that's going on right now. It is crucially important, maybe more important than ever, that we fill out our census. And parents, it's a great civics lessons for your kids. Um, you can get online and learn more about the census and then fill it out with your kids watching you and tell them what it's all about and how it's gonna benefit us in Johnson County in the Shawnee Mission School District. We need to count every single person. And I wanna give a shout out um, to Dr. McKinney. I know that they have been reaching out specifically to the migrant families in our community and making sure that they understand that they are to be counted too. So um, everybody counts in the census. So help us get that word out celebrate National Census Day on April 1st, and make sure that you and your family and your neighbors and everybody is getting counted because it's so important. And that's all I have. That's good. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Um, I did not prepare comments for tonight. I was so busy trying to figure out how we were gonna have a virtual meeting that I didn't even think about what I might say at the conclusion of the meeting. Um, but I do wanna take a moment to echo everyone's sentiments of giving thanks for the leadership in our community, both at the county level with our 14 municipalities and then with our administrative and cabinet team and all the work that they've done. And the work that our nurses have done um, to provide guidance to members of our community and the work that our educators have done to reach out to kids um, reading stories online. Um, I know some folks put together a parade today and the teachers drove through a community and threw candy out the windows and honked to say school is back in session, even if virtually um, to our custodial staff who had the Herculean task of disinfecting every single one of our buildings to make sure that it was um, safe to go into. Um, to all of the parents out there that are navigating this new space of um, having kiddos at home during the day when you are trying to either work during the day or do whatever it is that you do during the day, I'm navigating that space with you. Um, to our local reporters who have helped to keep everybody in the loop on everything that's going on because there's been so much going on. So I wanna give a thanks to that. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud to be part of the Shawnee Mission School District community. And I'm very proud to um, be a Kansan and I think that we are gonna get through this. And so on that note, um, our next regular meeting of the Board of Education will be on April 13th. Um, we attend a lot of meetings. If you wanna know where we're going right now, it's not very much anywhere because <laughs> everything is shut down. But um, if we are having a virtual meeting, like with the Facilities and Finance Task Force, there will be notice going of that going out so that you can know to tune in and watch. Um, and everyone have good night. I guess at this point, we just all log out. <laughs> thank you all. Doing good. Good night. Thank you. Good night.